When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I've really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. I'll tell you what freedom is. Freedom is the wide open road, a slow-ass 1995 Ford Aerostar, and your parents' house disappearing behind you in the rearview mirror as you head west. I know because I was there. In the winter of 2010, upon returning from a sport climbing trip to Spain, my dad informed me that he couldn't tell me what to do with my life, but he sure as hell didn't have to facilitate my climbing bum lifestyle. His main gripe was that I left all my shit in his house to go on month-long vacations whenever I wanted, and that that was tantamount to freeloading. What should I do? I asked his sister, my Aunt Jan. Give him what he wants, she told me. Buy a van, buy some Tupperwares, put your shit in the Tupperwares, and put the Tupperwares in the van. And I did just that. I built a bed platform with wood scraps I found lying around my parents' garage, and a single sheet of ply bought from Home Depot. I put my shit in there, and I left. To say it was a fight would be a dramatic overstatement of the truth. In reality, it was just growing up. My dad was right, and so was Aunt Jan. I can honestly say that seeing that house in Virginia disappear in my rearview mirror as the dust swirled up behind my new life was the most liberating feeling I had ever experienced, even if I knew my mom was crying. Van life, she cried. Van life, I cried. I called him Ford. He was my first van, my second car. I sold the first, a badly neglected Corolla, to someone on Craigslist for 1200 bucks, and I bought Ford from someone on Craigslist for the same price. Dude, I told him, it's really, really important that this thing can, like, drive across the country and on dirt roads and stuff. How many miles do you think it has left in it? Dude, he told me, I'm not a mechanic, but it seems to be working fine. I slapped on a Good Samaritan and a Support Our Troops bumper sticker for cop repellent, and I headed west. I drove that van to more climbing areas than most people get to visit in a lifetime, and old Ford never caused me any trouble. Sure, 
I had to continually top the power steering reservoir off with fluid. Sure, the radio and AC didn't work. Sure, I had to use a big stick to prop up the back hatch. But it was home. Eventually, I left Ford with a friend in California, and I flew down to South America to live under a boulder for a couple months and climb big rocks. When I came back, a variety of miscommunications and drop balls resulted in Ford ending up title to a friend, narrowly avoiding thousands of dollars of impound fees. The friend sold it, gave me half the money, and I bought a new van. The new van, Chevy, was a real upgrade. A bona fide Astrovanchion I bought from a dirtbag Euro at the end of his trip. It had power windows, music, even air conditioning. It was 2012 and I was living the dream. It even came with a pre-made box platform that was far superior to my old dilapidated piece of junk. I bought it for $3,000 in Los Angeles, California, loaded it once again with all my possessions, and left for my job up in Washington on Mount Rainier. This van was like driving heaven. It was home. It was reliable. It was clean. Dude, I was telling my friend as we headed up to Index on my first days off, everything's coming up, Calman. I turned to look at him with a big fat grin on my face. He yelled, and a second later, I got into a head-on collision with one of those modern micro-mansion trucks with a big deer killer grill on the front. The truck was fine, but just like that, Chevy was dead. I took the last of my savings and the insurance settlement and bought another Astro off Craigslist in Seattle for $2,000. It had been a plumber's van, and I swear, in spite of the deepest of cleanings I've ever given anything in my life, it always smelled like toilet cleaner, Drano, and other chemicals. But beggars can't be choosers, and eventually, Van, that's what I ended up naming him, just Van, eventually Van kind of felt like home. But Van was a gas guzzler, and the price of gas skyrocketed to just about $4 a gallon, and I quit my job at Rainier, I found a girlfriend, and I decided I wanted to be a writer. And eventually, I just sold Van for 2000 bucks and bought a car. I can't even describe how sad it made me, or how much it made me feel like a sellout. Well, I thought to myself, so much for the good life. What's next? Gonna start actually buying your groceries? At this point, I can say that I have now officially sold out. I work more than I climb, I pay rent and sleep in a house, I'm getting rich off of writing, kind of, at least rich enough that I can do my grocery shopping inside the store now, and I have a fancy pants car that I make a fancy pants monthly payment on. They call it a lien, which is like a French word for a loan or something. I, I don't know exactly, but... I don't have a 401k yet, but I'm thinking about getting one as soon as I find out what it is. My girlfriend's in grad school. We talk about things like settling down and stability. You might as well just bury me now because life is officially over.
I've got a lot of friends with Sprinter vans whose Instagram accounts make me green with envy. They're all bachelors, climbing their brains out, putting up new roots wherever the hell they feel like it. They come and flow with the seasons. They're either independently wealthy or figured out how to make a living working remotely, or they do gigs for oil companies for two months every five years or so. Living the dream is an expression that was invented to describe these friends. Sometimes, when my eyes are burning from too much time in front of a computer, I think to myself, that could have been you. In fact, that was me. I'll freak out, get grumpy, tell my girlfriend I need to go climbing for a week or I'll spontaneously combust, and I disappear. I'll drive my fancy pants car with air conditioning and Bluetooth and cruise control up into the hills, and I'll hit up some rad-ass boulder or rope solo some dope-ass sport climb. I'll be gone, utterly unreachable, completely off the map for at least an hour, sometimes even two. And then, after my epic adventure, as I cruise back to civilization with the wind blowing in my fancy pants hair, I understand with crystalline clarity that Brendan Leonard was right. I don't need a van, I need a vacation. I come home, hug my girlfriend, tell her I love her, and get back to work. The truth is, our dreams do not exist in a vacuum. They have context within a time and space in our lives. As a child, I dreamed I'd be a paleontologist, then an Air Force pilot, then a herpetologist, then a professional basketball player, then a hermit, then a professional climber, then a famous author, then a grown-up, then a dot dot dot. The list just goes on. I'm glad I got to experience van life. I'm glad that those years are locked away safe and sound in my memories and that they help to formulate who I am today. But when I'm looking at those Instagram accounts, wishing I still lived in a van, secretly whispering to myself, that could have been you, that could have been you, I try to remind myself that, yeah, that could have been me, but my goals and dreams changed. I've exchanged the freedom of the road for the comfort of a home, the joys of perpetual dirt for the boon of relative cleanliness and occasional blue-collar jobs here and there for a burgeoning writing career, which I work my ass off for and am utterly proud of. You win some, you lose some. And in the end, when it comes to the decisions I've made that land me where I stand, I have only myself to blame and only myself to thank. And even though I miss that open road, I wouldn't change what I have now for the pimpest of astrovans. But wait a minute, what about a sprinter? Honey? I'm Chris Kalman, and this is my short. Thanks, Chris. The diaries are made possible by the good people at Patagonia. This is the point where we usually tell you what they're up to, something cool, undoubtedly. But today, I just want to say thanks from all of us here to them. We don't talk about the business of the diaries very often. It hasn't always been easy through the last 10 years. But I think it's worth noting that a couple weeks ago, Patagonia stepped forward to make sure that we had the funding for the next two years. So we could focus on creating rather than surviving. That's two years where I know I will be able to do this, and it's never been that way before. That kind of support is unprecedented for a little podcast like us. It allows us to chase stories the way we would like to, 
We already have some incredible pieces in the works and we cannot wait to share them with you. So thanks, Patagonia. Additional support comes from Kuat Racks, the little company who believed they could build a better bike rack. Check out their lineup of good-looking, easy-to-use roof racks and hitch racks at kuatracks.com. And support for the diaries also comes from you. Whether it's a few hundred dollars or five, your donations really have allowed us to keep making the diaries better. The sound booth I'm recording in right now, that's a product of it. It's pretty sweet. To pledge your support, go to dirtbagdiaries.com and click the button in the upper right-hand corner. Thank you, Chris Kalman, for sharing your story, and good luck with this Renner van. You can find more of Chris's writing at fringesfolly.com. Music today by Tri Tackin, Bradley Carter, MC Culla, and Chronix. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive or used with permission of the artists themselves. You can find the links to the artists at our website. This episode of the Diaries was scored and mixed by Jacob Bain, produced by Jen Altschul, and me, Fitz Cahal. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Dirtbag Diaries.